most inspiring time studying the Scriptures that I've ever had in John. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit is doing, uh, but I definitely have been excited about it. In John chapter 7, this is a time, it's in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is is one of the the few feasts all of the Jews within a certain radius of Jerusalem are expected to come in and worship. And it's in the seventh month of the year. And what they would do is they would build these booths, these small little huts, and these booths would be built all around Jerusalem. And these booths had to be built in a certain way. And, and they were built with thin walls. And they were built with, with, uh, with ceilings that you could actually see through the ceiling so that you could see the heavens and be able to recognize, so you could look up to God. That was the whole point of the feast, was to recognize God was providing, had provided. It was a time that they would remember God's provision in the desert when He provided food and He provided manna, He provided quail, He provided water. In this desert, this very arid area, but God provided for His people. That's what the whole point of the, 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 the Feast of the Tabernacles was all about. It was a time to celebrate what God had done. Unfortunately, the people got it a little bit mixed up. Jesus comes onto the scene, and, and, and he's there, and, and the first, first uh, 20 or so verses of John 7, he comes in there and tries to tell them, I am from God. I am, I, I am who you've been waiting for, effectively. And they're not listening, they're not hearing him. And he continues in verse 25. Just prior to this, he had challenged them about, about their, their unwillingness to, uh, to, to heal the whole man on the Sabbath. Though they'll circumcise a child so that he's included in the nation of Israel, they won't heal the whole man, which was God's intent from the beginning, was the whole man being restored. And he goes on in verse 25, John writes, At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had come. Still many in the crowd put their faith in him. They said, when the Christ comes, will he do more miraculous signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you only uh, for only a short time. And then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go uh, where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he will look for me, but stood and said a loud voice, anyone is thirsty, come and who in me, as the Scriptures has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. 
that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing His words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Christ. Still others asked, How can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the Scripture family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Now, just a little side note. If you look earlier, they said earlier in verse, in verse uh, 27, when the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Wait, they actually did know that, that, that the, when the, the people were, it says, how can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the Scripture say the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. You mean he has deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted. Has any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we are amazed at who you are and how you provide for us in ways that we do not deserve. And Father, we are grateful and humbled. And Father, we are excited to learn from you whatever you want us to, to learn. I pray, Father, that you would help us today to put aside whatever might be bothering us, whatever may be trying to distract us, and Father, that we would focus on allowing your word to speak clear to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Who here has ever felt emptiness in their life? I think we've all felt some level of emptiness at, at some point. I know before I became a Christian, that's exactly what would describe me. I was empty. I was married to my first wife, but we were, it was terrible. On the outside, I had a house, had a car, had a couple cars. I, you know, the 2.3 kid, well, we only had one child at that point. Alexa was our only one. And, you know, but on the outside, everything was good. But on the inside, empty. I would, I, I, I tried to fill it up with all sorts of things, but just empty. And it, and it looked, I, I claimed to be a Christian. And, and on the, I would go to church and we would, go to some little small small group that they had, and we even had this cool little workbook that they were doing uh, called Knowing God. It was this, uh, it was, it's still around. And, 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 it, and it was on the outside, man, that guy has got it all together. He's got the American dream. But on the inside, I was just a shell of a man who was full of selfishness and hatred and bitterness and insecurity and all of those things, it was all about me, my interests, my desires, my sin. And God tried to put people in my life to wake me up. Time and again, he put situations in my life to humble me. And many years before God finally woke me up. In our text, the people that are, do, the, the people are, are, are doing anything but they're, what they're intended to do at this festival. Remember, the festival was all about looking up to God. 
It was all about trying to get them to remember how God had provided and because of what God had provided to live their lives in obedience to Him. As I've said many times, they missed the boat. They forgot what their purpose was. The nation of Israel was meant to, to bless the whole world. And yet they were just worried about whether they were obeying the law. That's what the Pharisees were all about, obeying the law. No matter, as long as you're doing what is right, didn't matter where the heart was, and they missed the boat. I wonder, you know, as I read this, and I, I'm sure I've thought it before, but why didn't they just ask him? Everybody knows where they're born. Jesus knew where he was born. Why didn't they just say, where were you born, Jesus? And he just said, Bethlehem. And then you would think that, that wouldn't have mattered. They didn't ask because they didn't want to know. They didn't want to change their lives. But this, these people were empty. They were there to focus on God and God's provision, but they were empty shells on the inside. That's my first point today is running on empty. Are you running on empty? I just want to show you a quick video. It looks like we're going to need some gas. Oh, well, how much gas do you think is in there right now? Well, it's on E. You know, oftentimes Jerry, he lends me his car and I find myself in a situation where the car is almost out of gas. But for a variety of reasons, I don't want to be the one responsible for purchasing costly gasoline. So you want to know how far you can drive your friend's car for free? Well, I make it up to him in other ways. Even now, there's still some overlap between the needle and the slash below the E. How low are you going to go? Oh, I've been in the slash many times. This is nothing. You'll get used to it. Just put it out of your mind. Have you ever been completely below the slash? Well, I almost did once, and I blacked out. When I came to, the car was in a ditch, and the tank was full. I don't know who did it, and I never got to thank them. Mr. Kramer, the road! Oh! Oh! Is it just the angle I'm looking from? No, sir. We are down there. Oh, this is amazing. Oh, I never felt so alive. <laughs> All right, I'm satisfied. We better get some gas. What? Well, we can't stop now. What do you mean? We have to keep going all the way back to the dealership. That was the plan. There was no plan. Well, let's make it the plan. Let's just go for it like Thelma and Louise. They drove to a dealership? No, they drove off a cliff. I want sick mama. I like it. <laughs> Cars can go on empty, but not us humans, huh, fella? I'll get us a couple of Twix bars. No. No coconut for me. All right, I'll get your mom's bar. <laughs> get the engine rock. <laughs> ah! Oh, man! Not the gas! But it needs it, Kramer. It needs it bad. <laughs> this will make you happy. Because it won't! Oh, you just go on When that car rolls into that dealership and that tank is bone dry, I want you to be there with me when everyone says Kramer and that other guy, oh, they went farther to the left of the slash than anyone ever dreamed! Maybe we'd better get moving. It's good to have you back, Stan. It's Rick, by the way. No time! There's the dealer! Hey! 
We did it! We pulled it off! I can't believe it! Where's the needle? Oh, it broke no. off, baby! <laughs> oh, Mr. Kramer, I gotta thank you. I, I learned a lot. Things are gonna be different for me now. Well, that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> I wonder how much longer we could have lasted. Yeah, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> Sometimes we can think it's fun to run on empty, and it's exciting, like, like, like in that, that clip there. But you know what, what eventually happens is you'll run out. You'll run out of gas. It, it, it will happen. It's, a, it's funny. That we laugh about it. But you know, Jesus knows this about each of us, and he knew it about these people at, 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 as well. You know, at the heart of this festival, there was this ritual that they would, that they would do every day. They would, they would, they would uh, take, they would gather in the temple of Herod, and they would come with with fruits in their hand and 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 uh, you know a reminder of God's provision and and uh, some some different tree branches and and they would wave them and it would be this celebration, and each morning the, the priest uh, would make sure everything was in order and then he would have this this pitcher and they would go down to the pool of Siloam. The pool of Siloam is the pool that we see in the, in the Bible where Jesus healed at the pool. Uh, and here is, here is a picture. This is actually, uh, this was, uh, I took that picture. We were walking. The, the pool of Siloam is significantly uh, lower altitude than the temple. The temple is the highest peak in Jerusalem. And then you go down. You go down this hill, and, uh, and you, eventually you get to this spot here. That's Mike Fontenot on the right. This picture doesn't have much, uh, much uh, depth. That's... That is, here's a, a, a better picture. This is from the side. It's this corner. That's a, th that, that is a, uh, uh, a, this is the section that you see in the picture. This was just, this was just recently found in the last, you know, decade or so of uh, this area. This was found. And they would go down, they would walk down the, they would walk down the hill from the temple and they would go down, they would put this pitcher of water into the temple and then they would carry it singing and, and celebrating and they would carry that pitcher back up to the temple and go through the water gates, back up into the temple, and the priests would, would, would take the picture and they would recite Isaiah 12, verse 3, which says, which says, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. It was, it was all about God had provided this water. And they would pour the water out on the altar and, and, and celebrate. And 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 in for the for the uh, a Jewish person to just to, just that get a glimpse of the picture was considered a blessing for them. And on the seventh day they would do that, and they would come back and they would go walk around the altar seven times, to, signifying the seven times they walked around the, the the walls of Jericho before it fell. It, it's all about God had provided. God had provided. And, 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 and it, it reminded them as they poured it out how God had provided in Exodus chapter 17 whenever God told Moses to strike the rock and he struck the rock and water came out of the rock. And how in Numbers chapter 20 whenever God told Moses speak to the rock and Moses sinned and struck the rock instead out of anger which kept him from being able to enter the promised land. But God in his grace provided the water again. And it's, it's at this moment 
This is the greatest moment of the feast that Jesus stands in front of the crowd and makes the proclamation in the text in verse 37. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. What? I tell you, Jesus had perfect timing. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he was trying to help them to see it is not about this celebration, this, this, this big thing that they, that actually was not ordained by God. That was not given. That's, you can't find that whole ceremony that they did. That wasn't not in the Old Testament. It's not in the law. It's not in the prophets. They had made that up. Now, I think the intention was good to get them to point to God, but it just become another thing to do. And Jesus stands before them and shouts that, that if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Be filled up by God. This word for thirst, it's, it's a Greek word. It's, it's those who are said to thirst who painfully feel their want of and eagerly long for those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, and strengthened. That's the strength of this word for thirst. Jesus wasn't looking for people who had a simple thirst like you and I do for water. He's looking for people who had this longing within their souls that would only be truly satisfied with Jesus. Those who, who were eagerly longing for fulfillment. And the fulfillment wasn't temporary fulfillment, but eternal in nature. Let me ask you this. What do you eagerly long for in life? We can long for all the wrong things. Things that may refresh the body or even the mind, but leave the soul wanting for more. In Jeremiah chapter 2, God is talking, Jeremiah is talking about uh, and, and, and prophesying about the people of Israel. He says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Have you ever felt like you just could never get ahead in life. Anybody else feel that way? I know we can, at various times, we can feel, man, I just can't get away. I can't, I can't get ahead. Well, maybe it's because God's got this, this plentiful supply of water in Jesus for you, already dug, already there, already ready to fill you up. And here you are working, breaking your back to dig an empty cistern. And you make your own. And you think, I'll put water in it myself. But that, that cistern just goes dry every time. Because you're trying to do it on your own. It doesn't work. But yet we just keep trying. And it fails. And we keep trying. And it fails. And how are you left? You're left feeling empty. It's not wrong to desire to do certain things. It's not wrong to desire to, 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 to have you know, a, a home and, and to take care of your family and to have a job. Those are not wrong things. You need to take care of your family. We need to work. We need to prepare and, and, and be wise. But if you do it and that becomes your purpose in life, that's why you feel empty. That's why you see so many people with so much stuff, with everything going for them. Money, everything. And yet, what do you hear about them? You hear how sad they are and how depressed and discouraged. And sadly, many have even taken their own lives 
And we see, we think, what, well, what do they have? They have everything. Surely money can buy everything. No, it, no, it can't. No, it can't. If you are seeking for physical or financial or professional or family or relationship or activities that are not from God, helping fill you up with God, and you are seeking the wrong thing. You are going to be empty. And we end up with empty relationships and empty habits and addictions. Food, impurity, immorality, pornography, even religious habits. Where we come to church and yet we still are empty shells. And God is trying to say to you, Jesus is, Jesus will fill you up. You will never thirst spiritually again if you just would focus on Jesus. And in the end, if we continue to fill ourselves with all these wrong things, then we wind up empty. Only when you choose to seek after God, to painfully feel the want of God, to eagerly long for God, wanting our soul to be refreshed, supported, and strengthened by God, then is what needs to be what we thirst for, to be filled by God. Well, Jesus was speaking to, they wanted to be looking for. Poured on the tools that they were. Jesus is the water supplied by God the one thing that we need to fill ourselves with. If you're filling yourselves with all these other things, let me tell you, they'll run out and your broken cistern will leak and you won't have a chance and you'll just leave an empty shell of a man. Or In the end, you're just left lonely and sad. I remember that old life. And even in my Christian life, sometimes you can begin to feel empty in our Christian life. There's no reason. I'm surrounded by people. God has provided more than I could ever hope for or imagine. And yet, Satan, I'll listen to his lies. And he'll tell me, oh, that's not enough. You need a little bit more. Maybe you can relate if you've been a Christian for a little while. It takes a little bit more. You need... If you're a Christian, you've been a Christian a long time, and you, and you tell yourself, oh, I, I'm okay. I don't, I don't need to read my Bible that much. I don't need to, I don't need to be in that Bible study. I, need, I don't need to help people. I mean, I used to do that. I did that a lot in my younger years. Let me, let me show you the names of people I helped become Christians. If you think that you can look back on those things and say, okay, I'll, I'll rest on all that, and, and it'll get me through to the end. No, it will not. Satan will convince you and make you think that it will, but it won't. You need to be in the Word of God every day, digging deeper. If you've been a Christian a long time, you need to have longer quiet times. You need to spend more time in the Word of God. You need to spend more time praying and seeking God's heart. Because Satan is right there, and he is patient, and he's waiting. He's, and, and, and he knows exactly what it's going to take to pull you away completely. And it begins with you thinking, I'll be all right today. I don't need to do that. 
begin to and 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 you're no longer filled. Jesus fills us up, and he doesn't just fill us up; he fills us up to overflowing. He gives, he gives to overflowing. That's my second point. What flows from within? Look over in verse thirty-seven again. It says, "On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus, with a loud voice." If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. These streams of living water, uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit, of course he's referencing the Holy Spirit, but this is a, this is a picture of the Dead Sea. And do you know why it's called the Dead Sea? It's called the Dead Sea because it takes from the Jordan River, but it gives to nothing. There's actually nowhere that this sea flows to. The, the Jordan, the, 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 actually the, the flow from the Jordan is minimal nowadays, and the, and the Dead Sea is shrinking in size. Uh, we've had a chance to go, uh, to, I've had, if you have ever had a, have a chance to go to Israel, Go to the Dead Sea, you get to float in it, but you can't swim in it. Because, and, and if you have any rashes or any on your body, you will find it with the Dead Sea. Because there's nothing living in the Dead Sea. It's full of minerals and salt, and it is literally dead. Because there's nothing flowing. Living water is flowing water. It takes and it gives. It takes and it gives. That's a description of what our Christian lives are meant to be. We are given to, we take, but we give to others. And it's a flow because of what God has done for us. It was obvious what was pouring out of these men who were opposing Jesus. Anger, rage, envy, factions, divisions. They're lording over, oh, is he going to go to those Gentiles over there? Because they knew that they couldn't go to where the Gentiles were. Maybe that's what he's talking about. Later in chapter 8, they think he's going to kill himself because of his reference to going, going to come. They have all sorts of things in their head. But Jesus tells them what will flow the man who would believe in him. And these streams of living water are what that is. It's a complete contrast from what, the men, what these men had flowing from them. But it, and it makes us ask the question, what is flowing from me? And here Jesus is describing this continual flow of the Spirit out of, out of the person that truly believes in Jesus. What will your lo life look like if the Spirit is flowing from within you as Jesus talks about? Look over in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we often look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, which is good to look at and, and get convicted by because it's about. The Spirit. Joy, peace. 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things, there is no... I don't know about you, I'm stuck on the first one. If I could just wrap my mind around being loving. Because that takes us to 1 Corinthians 15. Love is patient. It does boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self It is not easily angered. It keeps Love is not delighted in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. always hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. That's chapter 13, verse 4 through 13, with a little bit cut out in the middle there. If there is a goal for our lives, it should be to live according to the Spirit of God. And, and I think that would keep most of us busy with quiet times for the rest of our days. We just spent some time focusing on love. I'm studying self-control in my quiet times. It's been a battle. I, 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 my daughter, some five years ago, this week, uh, 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 you know, you get those reminders on Facebook. You get, oh, this post that was five years ago. Five years ago today, you did this. And five years ago today, or yesterday, I celebrated 20 pounds down on this eat-to-live plan that we were doing while we were in London. It was, it was this magnificent plan, and I was, I was encouraging my wife, and my daughter had written me out this page full of scriptures on self-control, and, and it, was, it was awesome. But today, I weigh about the same as I did before I ever began the eat-to-live program five years ago, and I thought, well, it must be that season of the year whenever I gain a conviction, and I'm working with some men on a and we meet up and we, and we talk about what our goals, what we're working on this week, what we're going to be doing this week. And, and self-control has become, the Holy Spirit is really driving it home to me that I have got to repent in the area of self-control. You know what the good news is? I already have it in me. The Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, these things, the fruits of the Spirit, already live inside of you. They actually are more a part of your nature than Satan wants you to think. Satan wants you to think, I can't be that way. But in fact, if you are following Jesus, if you, if you were baptized into Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of you, guess what? You're already there. But you listen to Satan's lies. You listen to him telling you, no, you, you can't love like that. You can't have that peace. You can't be joyful. Those fruits of the Spirit, those are for the really spiritual ones. That's for the likes of, you know, the the elders, some deacons, maybe a few of you guys. But that can't be you. No, if you are following Jesus, that is who you've been made. Inside of you now, is there a battle? Yes. Go and study Romans 8. You, You see the battle between the flesh and the Spirit. There's a battle going on, but you're equipped to win the battle. And the Holy Spirit is within you and has changed you. If you're not following just talk to you for a minute. If you have not yet begun following Jesus, or maybe you're not sure, or you've been studying the Bible and you're just kind of trying to wrestle, trying to figure it out, let me tell you, Jesus came for you too. 
And He wants to fill you up as well. It's available to you. And maybe you're sitting there, man, that empty, that idea of the emptiness that you feel inside right now. Maybe you're feeling it right now because you know you need to fill yourself with Jesus. And you're just fighting in all of your pride and all of your arrogance. You think that you can do it on your own. You cannot. No one ever has been able to. Many people have died convinced that they could. And they never made it. Whether they were saved or not is between them and God. But if we can know on this earth that we're ready, isn't that much better? Isn't that what you prefer? To know for certain that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, that you have living water flowing from within you, keeping you clean. That's what Jesus wants for you. Does this describe your life? This Scripture about the Holy Spirit. The fact that we can feel uh, we can feel inadequate. Because I, 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 does anyone else feel inadequate whenever we hear this? I know I feel inadequate. You're in good company. Because the men following Jesus were just unschooled, ordinary guys. And they didn't know what they were doing. And that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus stood in front of them and said, hey, I, I am the one that will fill you up. God provided me to you. Not me to you. Jesus to us. You, get, you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and God intervenes. And He keeps them. God intervened in this point to the point that that Jesus, they came to arrest him, and they couldn't. Only, only God, only, only by God is that possible, because they knew all about arresting people. They, they knew how to grab them and take them. But somehow Jesus walked through the crowd. God was, God was working, and God is working today. And he's trying to get you to see that it's time to humble yourself and turn yourself over. And stop digging these cisterns that are gonna that are gonna just leak everything you try and fill them up with. Aren't you tired of being tired? Aren't you tired of just trying to just trying to get by? It's exhausting. But but when you're filled with Jesus, you feel refreshed, you feel excited, you feel changed, you feel inspired, you get to celebrate life every day. Satan's voice tries to be, be loud, but you can quiet it when you get in the Word of God and really allow the Word of God to permeate every part of your heart and life and mind. Isn't that what you desire? Are you looking on it today? Where are you at? It's time to stop looking around at everything that the Word offer and look to God and be satisfied by Him through Jesus. But we will be filled up completely through Jesus. We simply turn and put our lives committed to obeying His Word. And not only will He fill us, He'll give us all we can possibly give away to others and give us these streams of living water that the Holy Spirit will flow from within us. That's how I believe God wants us to live. That's how, why the Scripture is here Let's live that way 
on the peninsula. Amen, church. Now, I want to, I wanna, before we sing our last song, I want to invite Caleb Carter up.